And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, joined today, uh, Michigan Tuesday, we'll call it. I don't know if we'll keep it on Tuesdays, but with Austin Meek, of course, Michigan Beat writer, formerly my co-host on Run Past Michigan, which, as you know by now, has merged. We've merged podcasts. The Beat will be your feed for all things Michigan, Michigan State this season. RIP uh, to RPM. Uh, We'll miss our our Bo Schembechler intro, but... Austin, I thought... I was. I thought I had such a great name when I picked that one out. I, that was, it was really forever. good. I liked it. It was good. Yeah. And now it's gone. But that's fine. I, that's my like seventh podcast name in the last five years. But that's okay. The RPO offense outlasted <laughs> the RPM podcast. <laughs> it did. So that's good for everybody. Everybody listening. <laughs> yeah. But in any event, we discussed all this last week, of course. Uh, but Austin and I will be here on this feed for for uh, the football season. Uh, all the stuff that we did last year will be the same. It'll just be in a different place. So uh, be sure to stick with us here and. Of course, we'll also be having uh, Colton, uh, Colton Pouncey on to do some Michigan State stuff as we go, and then myself and Brendan, uh, and any combination of those four. I don't know. We'll see how it all goes. But um, we'll all be involved in this one, so appreciate your listening and support of The Athletic. And uh, also, we got some Michigan football to talk about, some real stuff this time. So uh, you ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. We had our first uh, weekly news conference of the season with Jim Harbaugh, yep. and that makes it feel a little bit more real. I mean, it's, it's yep. a weird tension between, on the one hand, feeling normal like a normal game week routine and then you also get these reminders that none of this is normal you know (laughs) we're talking to Jim Harbaugh on zoom we're talking about well you know we can't really say who our starters are because somebody could test positive on Friday and they're out for the game you know I mean just anytime you start to kind of get lulled into thinking it's normal you get these reminders that nothing nothing about this season is normal at all yeah it's ever it's around every corner right it's like every fourth question will be well, oh, by the way, did you guys have any positive tests? You know, like, are you okay? All this, does this guy have COVID? Does this guy not have COVID? So, I mean, obviously that's something that, uh, you know, it's interesting when, when the NFL season started and I obviously started out uh, pretty heavy in that one, it, it was very weird for the first, I would say like two weeks or maybe not even, but like a week and a half of like practice. And then it got super normal. The minute they started playing games, and I'll tell you this, I wondered with the Lions, like, are fans going to give them like a break because this was like awkward and a weird off season? I, we got to like the second quarter and I was like, okay, well, nope, they're furious. So, <laughs> like, so it'll feel normal really fast for everyone on Saturday. I promise you. Uh, we can talk about keeping perspective all we want, but uh, you know what? People, fans have gone through this year too. I think they've earned the right to be a little whatever they want to be on Saturday night. So. Uh, yeah, with I've, that. Yeah, I mean that was yeah, kind of my sorry. question is, you know, if if this were a normal season, you know, if if none of the past 6 months had happened, you would be looking yeah. at this game and saying, 
Like this is, you know, this is a big deal for Jim yes. Harbaugh because this is the kind of game that Michigan has not shown up in in the past. You know, has not been able to get over right. the hump in these big, you know, night game, road game, ranked opponent. Like this is it for Michigan's program if if they want to get to the next step. And so if this were a normal year, I think you would be looking at this game and saying, you know, this is a game that Michigan really really needs to win. And I think that's part of my question is yeah, I sense from the Michigan fan base, you know, they're maybe not as as dialed in to every little detail as they yeah. typically would be before a season opener. I think there's more of a, you know, let's wait and see what happens when we get there. We don't really know a lot about this team, uh, but you know, I, that was my question: is so if Michigan loses this game, how long do we give it before <laughs> fans are yeah. right back in the you know furious at, at Jim Harbaugh mode? And it, it sounds like that probably won't take very long. I, I guess it will all depend on what happens, right? Because it's like if if you go into a game and your roster is shorthanded because you know you've got guys who've tested and can't play, you know what are you going to do, right? That's that's difficult. Um, you know, obviously everyone's going through the same thing in terms of practice, con- you know, being condensed. Uh, not having the type of time you'd want, uh, all these things. But, you know, I think it's all going to depend on how it looks, like how it looks and how it feels. And if some of the similar problems that they have had at the start of seasons over the last couple years is still there, you know, if they're familiar issues, this isn't a first-year coach. I mean, I just got done listening to Mel Tucker's Zoom call, and he's barely trying to figure out who he's got on the team. I mean, he does. those guys barely know their roster, right? And, like, we can sit here and say, well, that's an excuse, whatever. But, I mean, like, that's that's an excuse. But it's a valid one. Yeah. It's real. Uh-huh. This isn't that. You know, the coaching staff uh, has been here. The offensive staff remained intact. Michigan told us, Austin, all offseason, we have prepared, uh, we believe, better than anybody else. Uh, they told us several times they thought that their their testing was workable and doable. They were very vocal about how they believed that they were ready to play. Jim Harbaugh at one point in the summer said, well, give us two weeks. We'll be ready to play. They have not backed off on any of that. So while I'm not going to sit here and say that I would expect to see you know a flawless, perfect performance from a team that's not going to go through the bumps and bruises and things of uh, that you go through in a crunch time like this, I, I got to tell you, based on what we've heard, Austin, I would expect them to be efficient. I would expect them to be as close to ready to play as you can, you know, as you can sort of expect from a team in this situation based on what they've told us. And all they have told us for the last several months is we're ready to go. We've been ready to go and we're ready to do this. I, you know, am I wrong? Be- because that's the, the thing that I've heard every single time I've listened, uh, you know, to any of these calls. No, you're not wrong. And I I always hesitate to kind of read too much into things that, uh, you know, things that Jim Harbaugh might say on a Monday, because the truth of it is a lot of times what happens in those things is the coach reaches in his big old bag of cliches and just pulls out the first one that he, you know, he comes to mind. So, uh, you know, you you never really know. But I did think it was interesting yesterday, Jim Harbaugh talking about his team, uh, you know, he was asked about this. Michigan is in a different spot this year because last year, you know, they were a a trendy pick to win the yeah. win the division. Not this year. Most people have them running second, third, fourth, somewhere in there. Right. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh talked about he really likes the the chemistry of this team, likes the togetherness of the team. He said something about you know he he really likes how they've prepared and now they're just you know getting down to the you know the details of like execution and assignments. And there's a part of me that's like, wait a minute. 
<laughs> what, what? It's been like nine months. I mean, you would think that that is the one thing that they should be really sharp on. You know, they should be really yeah. sharp on uh, assignment and execution because they've had so much time uh, to work on that stuff. So I'm with you. I, you know, I think that they need to be sharp. Um, yeah. You know, they, if they come out and they look disorganized the way they did exactly. early last season, I think we're going to have to wonder like, you know, what what were you guys doing? What you know, what was the stuff that we had been hearing? all through the fall about you know how great and consistent the preparation has been uh, you know I think we need to see that I think you know win or lose I think Michigan needs to look sharp they need to look on point they need to look organized um, and I think we need to see it from Joe Milton you know we've heard so much yeah. now about Joe Milton uh, and how impressive he's been and you know this is the time now uh, you know tough situation for him making his first start but uh, I think it's fair to you know expect that uh, along with everybody else, he's going to come out sharp and and on point. Yeah, I think that before I get to Milton really quick, I think the like I like the point you said there to be sharp as a team, and I think that it's important to note, you know, if they they could lose this game because Minnesota's good, right? They could lose this game because Minnesota has a lot of a lot of talented players. They were a very good team last year, great quarterback, great receiver situation. They might be dinged up with COVID, who knows, right? But if Minnesota's a good football team, they could lose the game because Minnesota goes and takes it from them. If, however, and you'll know the difference. And this is where I go back to that like Lions game. The first they lost that they lost that game. They gave it away, right? They just gave the game away. If Michigan's in a situation where it's making these self-inflicted errors and wounds that are just giving a game away that we know by watching it they clearly shouldn't be giving away, then you've got a problem. And that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about first and foremost. If they lose the game and get beat by a by a team that beats them, then that's one of those things I think you chalk it up to like, well, it's a pandemic, everything. This thing's a little wobbly right now, and we'll see what happens. But you'll know the difference one way or the other. Uh, moving into Milton, though, Austin, and the thing we've talked about a couple times here and before we started, I would get, like to get your take on this because I keep going back and forth. I can't decide if they truly believe that Joe Milton is ready, all the way ready, to go out here and do this and be a top-flight quarterback in the Big Ten or if they're trying to talk it into reality and pump him with confidence. Jim Harbaugh now uh, several times this week already, including on his radio show last night, went out and basically said, I think he said on the radio show, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by how this guy looks. He's ready to play football. Harbaugh has dealt in hyperbole before. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I will say that I don't recall too many times where he's gone that far out with a quarterback who's clearly not ready to play uh, for whatever that means but at the same time he doesn't really have a choice i'm curious where you sort of land on this because we just don't know it's it's really kind of up in the air and we really don't know yeah we were talking about this last night it's definitely a different vibe than it was going into last year because i remember last year a lot of the quarterback conversation was you know josh gaddis uh had that line about shea patterson playing golf <laughs> in the offseason right. uh jim harbaugh's talking about well we're going to use two quarterbacks uh you know we're going to play mm -hmm. dylan mccaffrey you know I think part of that is probably you know, player management. Um, it may have been that at this time last yeah. year, before the season, the idea was, you know, we need to light a little bit of a fire under Shea Patterson. Um, look, the way Shea played in the first month of the season, all of those questions about you know preparation and offseason and all that stuff were totally fair because he didn't right. play well early in the season. Yeah. It's, it's a totally different vibe when you listen to people talk about Joe Milton. And part of that is, you know, Shea Patterson, a guy who was a senior and played a ton of football. Maybe they felt like, you know, they, they could, you know, they could light a fire under him a little bit. They could give him some of that motivation. Whereas 
with Joe Milton, maybe what you need is just to build up his confidence. So, you know, I, yeah. I think it's real. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think that what they've seen from Joe Milton, you know, I, don't, I don't think that they're just blowing smoke about it. You know, yeah. But there are some things that I think give me a little bit of pause and make me say, you know, let's wait and see a little bit, including the fact that Michigan's quarterback situation wasn't great last year. You know, Shea Patterson struggled uh, in, in some spots last year, and Joe Milton was on the team. You know, maybe right. he took a huge leap in this offseason, and he's a totally different player than he was last year. Uh, but if he comes out and just lights the world on fire, I'm going to think, you know, maybe they should have given this guy a shot earlier. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, Milton, I think, from the minute he got here has been, and I wrote about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, like an ascending guy just from the very beginning. It was, he came in and he came in in a winter and uh, enrolled early, and I don't think anybody had any expectations or visions of grandeur that he was going to be ready immediately or even close to that, given that he played in a, you know, high school program that wasn't great. Um, you know, they struggled. Uh, they didn't ask him to do a ton. It was still a lot of stuff that he was learning, even though you could see all the raw tools. But everything you heard from them, Pretty consistently, even if you talk to people in like, you know, private moments that weren't, you know, broadcast for public assumption or consumption, it was like, yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's impressive. Like he's further along than we maybe thought he was, even though he still has a lot of work to do. But ultimately the thing that I think I'll buy here and and that we've heard from Gaddis and Harbaugh several times on Milton is that it seems like he's done everything they've asked him to do and, and then some, right? Like it seems like everything they put in front of him to say, we need you to do a through Z on this list to prove to us that you can start at quarterback at Michigan and we need you to do it in crazy circumstances within the next whatever months. I don't know what every single check mark on that list would be, but it seems like he's done every single thing they've asked him to do. He's showed up. He's uh, he's continued to improve on the th- areas that they've asked him to work on. He's close with his teammates. They're close with him. They really like him. Uh, I think he gets along with everybody. They seem to get along with him. I think there's a lot of intangible stuff with Milton that connects him to guys on this team in a way that we just, I'm not sure that we've seen from a Michigan quarterback in, in kind of a minute here. I mean, you know, Shea Patterson came in from, I don't know where, from a transfer and had to learn everything, uh, a new roster on the fly. Jake Rudock was a grad transfer. John O'Corn was a transfer. Wilton had a little bit of that, of that. Wilton Spade, a guy who came in as a high school recruit and knew everybody and they knew him. Uh, and I think that that helped him a ton the year that he started and ended up having a nice, a nice season better than I think a lot of people thought. I feel like there's some of that with Joe Milton too. You know, he knows the program. They know him. I mean, on an intimate level, deeper than you ever would have if you brought a transfer in. And people go back and forth all the time about why did he keep taking these transfers? Why did he keep taking these transfers? Why don't you just let one of these guys figure it out? And it's one of those things that I mean, I'd be honest. I mean, I had the same questions at the time. You know, when when they brought Shea in here uh, and gave up on 
Brandon Peters, it was kind of like, well, okay, I mean, maybe this will work, but it's not promised. And it's going to be a lot of growing that's going to have to happen in a microwave. All those intangible things that Shea had to kind of overcome, the hurdles and whatnot to sort of, and he did, you know, the, the guys ended up respecting him and everything else, but Milton already has that. And so he doesn't have to go out there and, and do that. They're going to they're gonna have his back. I think that's a big thing for quarterbacks. I, I don't think he's going to have to win the huddle. You know what I mean? Like, I think right. they don't huddle, obviously, but I don't think he's going to have to win the... Win the 11 out there with him. I think they're going to be with him no matter what. Uh, that's the vibe I've gotten. I, maybe I'm reading too much. You've, you've talked to the players more than I have. Uh, is it the same on your end in that I think that they're all all aboard the Joe Milton train and nobody's trying to get off of it uh, or even second-guessing themselves right now? No, definitely. I mean, every single player you talk to has a Joe Milton story of something right. that he did in practice where they were like, wow, this guy is really talented. Uh, now, you know, he's still got to put that all together because I remember, again, hearing that last year, too, of just how yeah, explosive sure. this offense looked in the preseason. And then we got to week one. And it's like, well, where's that? Um, I will be interested to see early on you know, how much trust Michigan shows in Joe Milton. Do they go out there and just turn him loose and let it rip and say, Joe, you're our guy. Go win this game for us. Or do they come into the game with a game plan of, okay, we're going to run the ball, we're going to lean on our running backs, uh, we're going to play defense, and we're not going to ask too much of our quarterback making his first right. start. Uh, you know, if it's me, and if Joe Milton is as good as I've heard, I'm saying, Joe, go win <laughs> us this game. Because Minnesota's a team, they've got Tanner Morgan at quarterback, the uh, leading passer in the Big Ten last year, Rashad Bateman at wide receiver, Maybe the you know the best receiver yeah. in the Big Ten. Uh, they've got their offensive line coming back, and this Minnesota team is going to score some points. Uh, and I think right. if if you're Michigan, you have to go into this game thinking we're going to outscore them. We're you know Michigan's defense, uh, you know the secondary. They've got some new pieces there. I don't think that you can ask your defense to go out there and just shut down a really good offensive team from Minnesota and think that, you know, you can just kind of, you know, play ball control and grind out a, you know, a 21 to 17 win in this game. I, I don't think that's how it's going to play out. Yeah. I, I don't think it can be sort of over the top for the sake of just trying to be over the top. Right. Like I think Gaddis has said a few times about, you know, last year they tried to take a ton of shots early in the season and some of them didn't work and, you know, then they got away from it and whatever. I mean, like, I don't think you got to force anything. And I, and I would say that, you know, ideally in this situation, you'd probably want to protect Milton as best you can with your run game and, you know, establish that, establish him as a participant in the run game. I think that yeah. that would help an awful lot as well. But also, to your point, don't be afraid to dig in there and, and call something, you know, in a situation that you might think he might be able to, you know, take a shot or fit one deep vertically or something. Don't, you know, don't be afraid maybe to go there because, like you said, they're going to need it in this game. Minnesota's not going to, you're not going to shut them out. This, you know, we saw the start of this a year ago and it was clunky at the beginning, but ultimately at the end of the season, I just think the whole thing, I mean, Gaddis had the thing working at the end of the year last year. It was working. They were, you know, they were finding stuff against good teams. They, they did whatever they wanted to Indiana. Then they, they go to Ohio state and they gained yards and scored points. They didn't lose the game because, they couldn't score, move the ball. They did the same thing against Alabama. You know, obviously some of those drives need to be finished. But playing football on the back of a defense being perfect and an offense playing a supporting cast in 2020, if you are not recruiting like Alabama or Clemson or Georgia, is a recipe for a bad, disappointing season. They can't do that anymore. So 
it has to be, like you said, ready or not, Joe Milton, it has to be sort of, you know, you've got to let Gaddis go into these games and say, Josh, I need you, I need your bag to be as full as you can have it. Because if we have to score 40 points, I need you to be able to scheme up 40 points for us. Not, I want you to bleed the clock, slow it down, don't ever take any un, you know chances, don't do anything out of whatever, our defense will get it back for us. You've got to be able to let your offense you know, play with a little more rope. And I think we saw them start to move toward that last year. I'm fascinated if they can continue that going forward. And if Milton is, like you said, I mean, yeah, Austin, you've said it a couple times, if Milton's even close to what they've said they think he is, then it should work to some level, and they should be in every game they play this season. I mean, that's, that's I mean, Ohio State aside, every other game, it should be one that they have a chance to win. I mean, that's that's how you'd have to look at it. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So you uh, posted your preseason predictions on Monday. Uh, I haven't formally done mine, but uh, just in my mind, I think we ended up at a pretty similar spot. I, I think uh, five and three for the yeah. eight-game schedule is uh, is where both of us are are at. Um, and I think that you know this this first game really is is kind of a swing game. Um, oh, you yeah. picked Michigan uh, confidence level two. That's about where <laughs> yeah, my confidence just... <laughs> level is. I um, I would I think I'm leaning a little bit to Minnesota, but I'm in the same way. Yeah. I mean this you know, there, there's a couple games on the schedule that just to me look like total toss ups, uh, and this is one of them. And it you know it really you know it, it sets the course for your whole season. If Michigan goes out and wins this game, now all of a sudden you're looking at the schedule and you're saying you know they could. They could be in pretty good yeah. shape by the time you get to December. Lose this game, and you can look at the schedule and say, "Whoo, boy, not seeing you know, not right. seeing a bunch more wins on here." It's this is one of the hardest games, uh, and they're all hard the preseason every year. But this this was like the hardest one I think I've ever had. <laughs> like this, I went back and forth on this Michigan Minnesota thing like eight times. I mean, it was just Minnesota. I'll say this: Minnesota has everything that it needs if it's healthy enough. I guess. I guess we'll see. Minnesota has everything it needs to win the game. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Tanner Morgan's the best quarterback in the league last year, not named Fields. Uh, Rashad Bateman is awesome. Uh, they bring back their entire offensive line, plus I think their sixth offensive lineman that they rotate rotate in there. They did make a change uh, at, at offensive coordinator, but you know the system's been established that they don't tinker with it too much. They've got what they need to score points against Michigan. I think that we can look back at last year and, and how that offense performed. And, and they didn't play Ohio State, but they did play Penn State. And they did, you know, they won the game. I mean, they, they were able to do what they wanted to do in that game. And I think Michigan and Penn State are pretty similar talent-wise. So Minnesota has what it needs. Uh, the crowd not being there, I think, you know, probably helps Michigan. But at the same time, 
Michigan always has pressure on itself. For Mich- for Minnesota, this is like st- game days there. This is still flex opportunity to, you know, force people to pay attention to him more than he already does. <laughs> more than he already does. <laughs> so it's a challenging game to pick. And it's one, like I said at the top, like, I don't know. I mean, the reason I have confidence points on this is because I couldn't figure out what to do with this game. But uh, Michigan's going to have to play really well. I think that that's the ultimate thing. If Michigan plays with the sort of efficiency that they've claimed they've been operating under, then I think they have enough to win the game because I think they'll have more in the lines, especially defensively, than Minnesota will be able to counter. I think Michigan's talent level uh, in sort of the, you know, the the at the at in the trenches should be better and it should allow them to... Uh, had just enough, but I mean, this is a this is a coin flip. This should be this should be a very good game. I mean, I I've got Michigan, but I don't know by what score, and nothing would really surprise me at this point. I would be surprised if they get smoked. How about that? That would be yeah. That would be a problem, and that's kind of what we talked about earlier at the top. I think if you look up and down the schedule, there's really four swing games on here, and you know this is one of them. Yeah. At Indiana on November seventh, uh, at home against Wisconsin on November fourteenth. Mm-hmm. And then at home against Penn State on November twenty eighth. Uh, yep. You know, if I'm looking at that right now, I'm thinking two and twos probably the baseline expectation. Mm-hmm. I think if you go three and one in those games, you're happy. If you go four yeah. and zero, oh, boy, you're thrilled. Uh, right. To me, if I'm looking at it, I think two and two feels about right in those games, and I'm not sure which two it'll be. Uh, I think you had them getting. Uh, Minnesota and Indiana, and then mm-hmm. losing to Wisconsin and Penn State. I could totally see that. You know, I've kind of had a, you know, whatever my gut feeling all year has been that maybe Michigan gets the Penn State game at home. Sounds yeah. like Journey Brown is uh, potentially out for Penn State. They already lost Micah Parsons. So, but either way, you know, those are four four very winnable games and four very losable games. And to me, those games are the difference between. Are you potentially you know six and two at the end of the year, or are you potentially four and four at the end of the year? Right, and and I think I agree with you. Penn State, I feel like is a more manageable situation, and I'm not saying that they couldn't beat Wisconsin, but it's hard to go back and look at what we saw a year ago in that game uh, at the line of scrimmage yeah. and not. I yeah. mean, Wisconsin does replace some guys uh, on the offensive line, but the defense still has a ton of dudes that are back. Uh, and the offensive line still has a couple guys that are that are back that are outstanding. And I know their Jack Cohn is hurt, and uh, but at the same time, you know, we've been hearing about Graham Mertz up there mm-hmm. as you know their their young prodigy for a long time now, and he's only been there for a year. It feels like forever. Yeah. So Wisconsin, I, I just can't get that out of my head. I mean, I know Jonathan Taylor's gone. I know that some of those guys aren't here anymore. But Michigan got completely demoralized at the line of scrimmage in that game and didn't even look even close. So that's the one where I think when we go down the line here and you say. Okay, Minnesota's going to be a really interesting challenge. That That's maybe a toss-up. Michigan State's going to be weird because it's week two, but you should get that. Indiana could beat you, but I still think that Michigan has enough in its bag to wiggle off the hook there if they get into a, a problem, as they often do. And then Wisconsin's the one where we're going to find out, you know, how far you've come in the mental toughness department. Because Wisconsin, you know, I mean... You you call we can call anything we want. Wisconsin put Michigan into a box last year and said you you don't come out of here until we tell you you can. I mean that was <laughs> yeah. embarrassing. Uh-huh. And we're gonna find out you know where the mental fortitude is within this roster within this team. Harbaugh says that he believes it's close. I wrote about this the other day too. 
when Harbaugh got here and they started everything out, it was so much it was so much about operating under pressure and so much about operating against the clock and trying to turn around a rough situation with adversity and all these things. And all they did was just scrap everything aside and grind. And those two first two teams that he had, which were pretty veteran clubs, were the most mentally tough Michigan teams I have covered in the 10 years I've been doing it since I'm close. And the last three, with some stretches of that 18 team as an exception, haven't been even on the same stratosphere. This team has to get back to that mental edge of, you know, being disciplined in the moment every day about everything you do. And I know Harbaugh talked talk about this yesterday. Maybe the pandemic in some ways helps with that because you don't have any other choice. You have no other choice but to prepare what's right in front of you and just not worry about anything else. Um, we're going to see. I mean, that Wisconsin game's the one right there. If I circle anything on the calendar, it's that one. Yeah, I'll know everything I have to know about where Michigan's going after that game. Barring a situation, right, like if Wisconsin's down 20 players or something like that, right. or if Michigan's down 20 players. But if all things are relatively equal, you know, we know where this thing's going, and we'll know, you know, when November 14th is over. I think that's the one I circle and say, that was embarrassing. You got embarrassed a year ago, and I don't care what kind of year this is. If you can't come back and, and turn that around a little bit, then this is bad and going you know south quicker than anybody here wants to admit. We've talked a lot about the offense, and I do think that that is the side of the ball that I am most curious about, you know, most eager to see on Saturday night. But I do think you know, Michigan's defense has some stuff to prove here. Uh, and, and when you look at those first four games, you know, sort of the bookends with Minnesota and Wisconsin, two really good offenses, uh, two big, you know, offensive lines, physical teams. I think in this first month of the season, we're going to learn a lot about Michigan's defense and Michigan's defensive yeah. line in particular, because we've talked about it on the podcast before that, uh, you know, it's time to see it now from some of those yeah. guys that we've been hearing about on the defensive line throughout the, the preseason, you know, Donovan Jeter and Chris Hinton. Um, if we see those guys Saturday night and say, wow, this looks like a different Michigan defensive line on the inside, um, you know, that, that is a, that'll be a pretty significant thing moving forward because you're right. You know, Michigan just, you know, they could not stack up physically Right. with Wisconsin yes. last year. It just got blown off the ball. Uh, if we see that happening again Saturday night, I think you know we have to say, okay, you know, all of this that we've heard about you know, the great strides that Michigan has made on its defensive line, um, we got to see that now, right? Because we've yes. heard enough about it, but it, it's time to show it on the field. Michigan's, I would say this, Michigan's what I would call their eraser, which would be your problem eraser, the thing that you have in your arsenal that can make up for you know, deficiencies or errors elsewhere, except for like Devin Bush, by and large, it's been during the Don Brown era, during the year that Durkin was here, and even in stretches of Brady Hope, the defensive line, the depth up front has been able, has kept Michigan in game sometimes over the years, where maybe some other things aren't going well, or, or what have you, they've typically had, you know, more answers in terms of depth and guys that are, you know, big, strong, powerful dudes who maybe not, you know, first round picks or something, but the talent level has been high enough for them to get through games like against teams like Minnesota, who while you know Minnesota's a good football team and is surging and has got a lot, lot that they like, Michigan's recruiting in the lines against those really premium players that are really the hardest to sign is often better than most of those teams, and that has been the thing that's given them the edge, which is why last year was a little you know was a little alarming, I think, for people to see them never not have any answer up the middle. Uh, against a team like that, and and that's like you nailed it. I mean, Chris Hinton, Donovan Jeter, 
uh, Carlo Kemp, and anybody else that they can <laughs> have to go out there and get in the middle and hold the rope, you they they're not going to be the type of defense Don Brown wants them to be, or even close to what he what he what he can envision for them if they can't do anything between the tackles like that. I mean, that's last year it just was not good enough. Uh, against the run, uh, against anybody save for maybe Iowa that had an offensive line, you know, that was capable of doing anything. I mean, that's just, you can't look at it any other way. And that doesn't that doesn't take anything away from Aiden Hutchinson or Pay and the terrific years they had or all the plays they made. That, that all came on top of deficiencies that were also there. And you can enhance Pay and Hutchinson, who are going to have to be on the field like all game anyway, with guys inside that can help them. And, and that is such a key to the whole season what are you going to be up the middle defensively? If you can hang on, then you give yourself a shot in that Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Penn State game. And then who knows? You know, then it's not off the table, Austin, that, that we're sitting here on what are what is this date? This Ohio December 12th, in the middle of winter with 10 feet of snow on the ground, <laughs> talking about 7 0 Michigan playing Ohio State. It's not impossible. I mean, I wouldn't pick it. I didn't pick it. I don't think you're picking it, no. but it's not impossible if a few things are checked off the box. All right. Well, Nick, you've got a live Q&A to get to. Uh, it's officially that season. We've got podcasts and yeah. Q&As and all the football talk we can handle. So uh, that's great. We love that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for checking out The Beat uh, and uh, our uh, our new uh, combo of our, our uh, athletic podcasts here. Uh, if you were a subscriber to RPM, the old podcast, you've probably noticed that we have a new show, The Big Football Show, five days a week. All of the Athletics Big Ten writers are contributing to that. I will be co-hosting that show on Thursday this week with uh, our colleague Colton Pouncey, who covers the Spartans. So tune in for that. Tune in for the beat. Enjoy the football this week, and we will be back to talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.